So why do I say the journey? Well, if you think about what you focus on, a lot of times people in a conversation might go, uh, sorry, what is, what do you do for a living? That's a normal question. There's nothing wrong with that because we're human beings. It's interesting, right? I met a young man that's here tonight, today, and he said uh, he's uh, studying his master's in, account in accounting. And I went, wow, you know, that's normal. I said, wow. And then I thought he's young, and I go, wow, I've got a college degree, but I always knew master's. I ain't knowing that's another level. <laughs> that takes effort. So it's nothing wrong with saying, what do you do for a living? And you tell you that. But what is your life? Is, is what you do for a living your life? No, your journey is your life. See, and I've shared this about pioneers. Pioneers are people that go into an unknown virgin territory that no one's been, and they go because they have a dream, and they have an idea of a better life, but they don't know what they're going to face because no one's went there before. Pioneers, humanistically speaking, is when people go to a land, like in the United States in the early 1800s, most people are in the east, New York and east coast, and then the west People would hear about the open land and just freedom, and the land is free. But when they actually made the decision to go, that's a risk. And they become a pioneer because they're going, and they don't realize that there's going to be a lot of adversity and pressure in the journey. But why is they look at the journey? And, and, and I, I, uh, I was watching this show. It's called 1883. It's interesting. It's based on a true pioneer story of a family making it and so interesting because he was he these these guides were paid to take these immigrants from Germany that came to America and they knew nothing about going to the west and these men they paid were in the civil war and they got out of the civil war and they knew the great sadness of life and death and pressure but they also were rugged enough to take them and they said on this journey they all had their wagons full and this one couple had this piano in the back of their wagon and they got to the rivers and remember I talked about last week you know, rivers were, were like a death sentence to people when you're traveling as a pioneer because you run into huge rivers and you had, to, you had to pass, you had to get across the river. And you didn't know how deep it was and you had your wagon train and most people didn't have the ability nor did they even think swimming wasn't a luxury or a sport back then. Right. So most people couldn't swim. So when they were getting ready to bring the wagons, the guy tested the water. They had to even go in the horse, and they looked in the wagon, and they said, there's no way these wagons are going to make it across the river with the weight that's in these wagons. And, and all they had was their possessions in the wagons. And back then, that was everything. But one of the immigrants had a piano, and he goes, you can't take that. And the guy, he was, speak, the guy was translating German, and he goes, that's my life. I'm a musician. If you take that, when I get to where I'm going in the west, over in the west, I think they're heading for Oregon. He goes, I will be a street bum. I will be a vagrant. I can't make a living. And the guy looked at him and says, you don't understand. You're not a musician. He looked at the other guy. You're not a carpenter. We could do it today. You're not a truck driver. You're not a doctor. You're not anything. Your life now is you are a pioneer and the journey is your life. Because unless you get there and finish and get there alive, it doesn't matter what you are. Because right now, if you hold on to that more than getting, uh, getting there alive, what you failed. Right. And spiritually speaking, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. See, if I focus on what I have and what I am and who I am, I get off track 
on the journey walking with God. And Paul says it so eloquently in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And see, he says, you know what? Once I understand my journey by faith with God, I am not now living for temporary things. I know work and earning my keep and excelling and doing my best as a human being and having the freedom in America to even have choices of what you want to do for a living. Some countries, is there's no choice. Yeah. If you can even just make, survive and work, whatever is offered, if you can work. A lot of people just have to farm to live. In America, we have options like a menu. What are you studying? And I'm not down on that. That's, but you got to understand how free that is compared to some places. Yeah. But see, even that, why I'm not throwing that under the bus, we, we do that. Do the best you can. Everybody must work. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. Amen. So we know we have to do that. But if that's end all to end all, we've missed it. Because he says it here in verse 25. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training, and he says they do it to get a crown that will not last. But he says, spiritually speaking, what, I'm, what, what race I'm in now, the journey, we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So now the temporary, being an Olympian, struggle, struggling to win that gold medal or even a silver or bronze, that's everything. He goes, that's not what it's about anymore. Yeah. It's not about making this much money and getting promoted in your company if you can't keep God first. And he says, man, this is, a, this is a different battle. Look in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. See, if you focus on the journey, which is your walk with God, and we'll look at this in verse 1, really what it expresses, what is this? It's very amazing. It's like we are pioneers in faith because every day now you're facing the battles and challenges the way God wants you to. And you don't know what challenges possibly are going to come next. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were committed for. So faith, right now, we know the journey, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see. That's a pioneer. I don't see and know what's coming, but I have assurance and I have hope because I have hope in God in this blind journey, so to speak, I'm living by faith. I don't see anymore with visual. I use my eyes of my heart by faith and trust in God's word Amen. in the way I go. He says that's what the ancients are committed for. Drop down to verse 32. Okay. See, do you feel confident in hope and assurance if you're looking at your situation in life, your bank account, your job, your whatever, and that's what you're only focusing on, you're never going to have full confidence because that's not, there's nothing for sure. Nothing's guaranteed. Nothing. 
He says, man, you got to put your confidence what you don't see, but move forward. That sounds stupid, humanistically. Just go out there blindly, bro, and don't figure anything out. No, God wants to use your mind and focus and be the best you can. But in faith, we live by the words of God, which is not really going along with the current of the world we live in. The world really does the opposite. Everything comes before. He says in verse 32, what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and his prophets, the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions. That was Daniel, right? He was in there all night with faith in God in the lion's den for eight hours with lions where his pitch black it smelled. He probably was shuffling through bones of humans and he couldn't see them and all he could hear him was going <laughs> and he had to sit there for all night in there and God, you're going, why don't you open the door and rescue me now? Why did he make, the Bible says he waited till dawn and the king comes back. He goes, are you there? Oh, Dan. He goes, oh, king, I'm here. He's like, oh, my gosh, there is a God. But the Bible doesn't talk about those several hours in there by yourself. David was human. He had faith. How could he keep that confidence and that faith in that moment of total fear? I bet he had it. But I'll tell you one thing. It drove him probably to not go, I better pray. I bet all he was doing was going, God, help me. God, please be with me. God, please, I know you're here. I know you've been with me. Please help me. And he hears, <laughs> and, but they're around. You could just hear them moving. Maybe they weren't grounded, but you, you know you could smell them. There's, there's ferocious lions that eat people normally. They throw them in there. Wow. Just imagine maintaining that hope and faith of what you can't see in a pitch black den of smelly feces and bones and lions that aren't fed well, because they're supposed to stay hungry. That's amazing. I'm in awe of these men's faith. But they're humans like us. And see, his journey, Daniel's journey, didn't have any choice to it. He was kidnapped as a young boy, brought to Babylon, and he stayed faithful and continued to honor God in these terrible situations. But God continued to help him come out smelling like a rose because he trusted God in his pioneer journey, which he didn't predict. I didn't plan this for me, but I did say I'm going to be faithful to you, God, whatever happens. So now it says here in verse uh, uh, 34, quench the fury of the flames, escape the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others, there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain even a better resurrection. I don't understand the depth of that verse, so study it out on your own. I don't understand not alone being dragged, knowing you're going to be tortured. Jesus knew that when he went into it. He knew he was going to be beaten and tortured, and he still went. But these people, this happened to them not because they were just in a bad place or they were robbing a bank or something. No, they were faithful people. And because of their faith and stance in God, this happened. It was because of God this happened. God didn't do it to them because this is the way people treated people. In verse 38, it says, The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts, mountains, living in caves, and in holes in the ground. 
These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us they would be made perfect. Meaning they died trusting and believing God was going to redeem them in the Old Testament, and there's prophecies about God sending the Messiah. So they died faithful, believing, hey, it was all worth it. But this life, I don't see it exactly, but I know there's a God. He, they had to die and now wait and see. So look in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, as we continue to read that. Because now it says, therefore. Therefore what? Therefore what we just read. Craziness that we're all going, we're all looking at. You can't help look at that and go, it's hard for me to relate. To put yourself in one of these experiences. Come on. If I said pick one of these experiences, which one would you pick? Oh my gosh, they're all terrible. You want to be cut in half, tortured? You want to be thrown in a lion's den? You want to be flogged? How about just we put you in a crowd and they, they face you, you're jeered at and spit on and insulted all day? In verse 1 it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Scorning its shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then it says, thus again, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I have to fight every week to not grow weary and lose heart. And then I grow weary and I'm losing heart and I have to fight to fight. Because I make the decision, nah, no matter what comes, it's happened. I have spinal fatigue, they call it. No one can figure it out. What it does is it affects me because I, if you're visiting, I, I, uh, oh, about a month, this time last year I was still in the hospital. I was in the hospital almost 60 days. A surgery was a complication and they miss, they couldn't find a hematoma that set on my spine. And by the time they went in, it was there for like a day and a half and it bruised my spine and I was paralyzed completely. I was in, people knew this. And then I was in a wheelchair and I still have to lean on this. Uh, but, but I have spinal fatigue now that affects me mentally. I don't use it as an excuse, but I can get what I call a dread. I don't know where I got that word, but I just, I just, it came out naturally. I don't, you know, when I say dread, I don't know how to define that, but you know what I mean, dread. Yeah. It's, like, I, nothing's wrong, but I just feel this pit of this, and then I have to pray and go to the word, and I go, this is, God's just calling me more higher from this, this challenge, to force me to God, because even every, even though I've come a long way, I have to fight, because the emotional and mental makeup just takes me into this just spiral like I can't explain it I just start feeling like uh so sad and just hopeless for and and there's no reason and I have to fight to get out good news is I talk about it and then you know and then I kind of know okay I'm not going totally nuts but it's still real and uh I have to fix my eyes on the pioneer Jesus because as I'm pioneering in my faith and trusting that God won't give me more than I can handle, and there's a reason for all the mishaps that happen to me and challenges. See, you are pioneers. We are all pioneers. Yeah. And that's all you are. 
until you get there. Where are you getting? Unless this is your home, then you, this is your life. You're done. You're just working, going home, working. Maybe if you, you, you buy a home or you're trying to buy a home and then you're paying the mortgage, which is all not wrong in and of itself. But if this is your home, the, the American dream, so to speak, living and now I got the job, I got the wife, I got the dog, I got the kid. And now I'm trying to maintain it, and I've got this. And you're going to find it's going to always be challenging. It's not like, like you see the picket fence and, and, and everybody's thinks fine. No, you're always going to have the emotional and challenges, but is this it? People live like that. They can use God as a sentence, but you're not really living to, to accomplish the will of God. We just had a workshop. We just had a workshop, and we were part of a movement of over 127 churches and growing because God is not just one building or one group of people. God's movement is always moving, calling all people in faith to grow in Christ and also accomplish his will of evangelizing the world. That's not going to happen casually. Intellectually, lots of people that believe in Christianity can go, I believe that. What are you doing? <laughs> we're saved by grace, not by works. Oh, so you're doing nothing. Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations. Share your faith. Open your mouth. Be willing to go on mission teams. Be willing to give missions contribution once a year for the church plantings that we do. We talked about that. That's pioneer. That's living by faith, not by sight. Living by things that people normally might think, that's stupid. Point number one, the right pressure is godly pressure. See, if you're like those people that were traveling in the 1800s wanting to leave the East and go to the West where they heard it was open land and they had freedom and they could claim as much land as they want and free and build it, to get there, there was bandits, Comanches, plagues, wild animals. Uh, and then within the wagon train, they had to have someone police it. There was no authorities. You couldn't call the police. You had to have leadership. Someone stole something from one of the wagons, and the person came over and hit him right in the nose with the gun butt and, and, and broke their wagon. And he goes, that's my wagon. He goes, you're done. You're done. You steal in here, you're done. And it was so ruthless. The guy had to, like, the people, they were, you're, were leaving you. And he said, because he has to have peace. So you got to police yourself. You can't let things go. To go across even your own battle within your community, you're going to hurt each other. The right pressure is godly pressure. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I face pressure just like I know you guys do because you're human beings. Pressure from finishing a test. Pressure from studying for a test. Pressure from having the finances to go and get in school to take the test. Finances, pressure to pay your bills. Pressure to hopefully keep your job. Pressure to get another job. Pressure when you're feeling sick. The pressure of afraid of the virus. Pressure of all that. Yeah. On, 2 Corinthians 1.9. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. Far beyond our ability to endure. So that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. Let me tell you something. The right pressure is God. If, and this, you can't get more feeling pressure than this. 
And he's saying this wasn't, if you don't focus and go, this is of God and pressure comes from God, then you're going to get attitudes. You're going to be complaining. You're going to be ticked off at the world. You're going to blame the, the, the physical powers to be that possibly God allowed to cause the challenge in you. You're going to always have a reason. Chaz used to have a basketball league, and there was a young man that always played there and had a complaining scowl on his mouth all the time, every time. No one in here. I, I, I kid around with him because I go, I miss that guy's scowl because unfortunately we invited him to church and everything, but he was, I got a kick. It was so funny in a sad way. He was so healthy and in great shape. He was 20-something. And he was, even on the floor, you could see everything going back and forth. He, he was, you could just see him complaining out of his mouth to people about the way it was called. He didn't pass. He was never happy, right? And I said, bro, you're just miserable at 20-something. But we can be like that. If you don't take the pressure and realize God allowed or caused this to come at you. Here Paul says, we were, we were, we, we were at such this pressure, we despaired of life. We, we just we didn't want to live. We were gonna, we just killed, we're gonna die. Death is whatever was going on, it was so bad, I, I I'm gonna, it's, it's like I think I'm gonna die, death. But then they turn the corner in the lesson in this extreme pressure. He says, This happened. That means he had to experience this before the Holy Spirit allowed him to write it. See, you can even write your story. We're not adding to the Bible, but you can have stories like this. Like, what are you doing when you're being crushed in a situation that you may not, need, may not think you deserved or happened because you did make a, a foolish mistake or you sinned? And now this pressure's there. Are you going to get bitter or are you going to get better? Because until you get the perspective of the pioneer by faith... God's grace is there, so either he allowed it or caused it, or if you caused it, he allowed it, and he's still going to work it out and help you through. Justin had a great story. Come on. Justin shared as, you know, that happened, and, you know, whatever the reason, it was there. He didn't know, and because of the holidays, he was stuck because it was in, it was in Colorado before he studied the Bible and became a Christian, and he forgot about it, so they had to take him to Colorado, and it just took the, such a process, like so long. To get him, you know, to get the, you know, go back and forth. And then he went, and then, like you said, the, the brothers in Denver, our church in Denver, called them. It's, it's a New Year's Eve in the afternoon. I called the leader, Jason Woody. Him and his wife lead the church in our Denver. And I call him and say, hey, bro, haven't talked to him in a year or so, but I know him. And He's in California with his wife, and he said, we're just recovering from COVID. It was during the holidays. They're on vacation. I said, oh, good. How are you guys doing? He goes, yeah, we're, we're recovering. And I, and, and I said, what's going on with your church? And he said, well, the church is just now coming out from lockdown a week before in Denver, I guess. And they were coming back out. And I said, oh, gosh, because I, I haven't asked yet. I was like, it's challenging. I said, bro, I got this situation, and I explained it. It was a brother. He didn't know, blah, 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 blah. Long story short, he's being let out of jail in Denver and there's a snowstorm coming at that time it just started to come down it's freezing he has no wallet no phone no way to get a hold of anybody and he can't even get a collect call his grandmother called me and his mother and his family and his grandmother called me and she's trying to be stoic and then I called Jason I said bro what are you thinking he goes well we're family <laughs> I said bro you think you can help me out he goes yeah yeah let me make a phone call he calls me back and he says there's a brother jo just Joshua Joshua which I have met he goes he's he, he'll be there in 31 minutes so I go what do you mean he'll be there in 31 minutes because I gave him the the address of the jail he I go he's already in the car driving yeah he's going he's on his way 
I just fell back. Because I know we have a loving church, but that, you could, imagine doing that in any other institution. Hey, we're from the same church you are. We got a guy who got out of jail. Can you pick him up and have him come home and live with And, and I promise he's a Christian. Can he stay with you? Can you let him stay with you? Because we don't know what's going to happen next. We got to see if, what he can do and see if he can just, he's got a face and then he come back. Well, we're family. I call Josiah, I mean Joshua, on the car, and I had to send him a picture. I sent him a mugshot, not a picture. <laughs> I sent him a picture. I said, this is what the dude looks like, Justin. When you go in, look for him. And then that's where he went over. But they took him in, took him back. They asked the brothers. They had a single household. Went back. He's there. They loved up on him. He's eating. He's, they pull him in a devotional. He's great. I call up a little bit later. You didn't even know this. I said, how's he doing? He's great. He's playing Call of Duty with some of the brothers right now. I said, bro, I can't wait to give you a bear hug. I can't wait to see who you are, but thank you for carrying the cross of Christ and showing the journey is worth it because the love of God's family is real. Jerry Mariah did the open welcome, love, we must love one another. That's not just a pat saying, that's a real practical. All our churches are like that. You don't get afraid, you go, let's do it. And I called his grandma back. I said, there's a guy. We have someone picking him up right now. And she goes, thank you. So and she broke down and started crying on the phone. I'm like, okay, he's going to be fine. He's okay. And I just realized the weight on her caring for him. And, I, you know, he's crying. He's got watering eyes right now. Because he, you could say she was trying to, you know, I don't know his grandmother, but I said, we got someone going to get him. And, and he can stay with them, and we'll figure it out. She starts crying on the phone. Amen. I said, it's okay. We got him. It's okay. And I just felt the pain of a family member going, is he going to be okay? Yeah. And I said, is this something Justin always does? Is he getting in trouble with the law or is he just... <laughs> I did say that because I was like, I liked, I'm curious. And he said, and, or is it just something stupid? And he goes, he's never been in trouble with the law. He's just a little stupid just thing he did. <laughs> and it was, it was. But, she, but you know, I, but we would have we got him anyway. <laughs> this happened... That we might re not rely on ourselves, but on God. He relied on God, and we didn't know if he's going to have to go to a shelter or stand out in front and freeze and beg. Because we couldn't get anybody to him. He was, God had put everything out. And like you right now, what's going on in your life? Daniel has a broke down car. This happened that you might rely not on yourselves, but on God. Doesn't mean you're not going to figure it out, but it's like, what will I do if you're a young kid guy, a person with finances figuring out life. Finances are challenging if the car didn't start. God's going to figure it out. But you got to ask in the middle of the pressure, are you handling it God's way or are you handling it a sinful way? Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 11. You guys with me? See, the right pressure, the right pressure is godly pressure, but if you don't take it and funnel it into faith to make it God's pressure, then it becomes demonic pressure so it's the same pressure, but if you don't have faith, then you won't handle it godly-wise, so you'll handle it sinfully-wise, so that pressure will take you farther from God and make you more bitter. Oh. Same pressure. You just, but you have to go, what am I doing? Who am I living for? Second, I gotta take this off, I'm dying of heat stroke. They got it up in this, is it a sauna in here? Is it like 80? Thanks. All right. 2 Corinthians 11.22. It's a spinal fatigue. I start sweating. I lose weight standing up here. It's good. That's why I can eat chocolate every day. 
But you always got to look at the good things out of the bad things. Are they Hebrews? Are they Hebrews? Verse 22, so am I. Second Corinthians 11. Try to keep up, all right? I'm just kidding. It's my wonderful life. I love her. I'm just playing with her. 11, 2 Corinthians 11, 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are the Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's sinners? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently. Justin, you know, you know been in prison more frequently. Been flogged more severely. Been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. If I took a belt out here and slammed it on the ground, not only one time, but just kept doing it for 40 times, even that sound would make us uncomfortable. If I said, this is what it sounds like, just if you, and what we were just doing it on the ground. Four, you'd say enough, 10, 11, you'd be like, gosh, enough. <laughs> and it says just he, five times he received that. The Jews, less the 40 lashes minus one. That means 39 lashes. They had a legal thing, and they beat you half to death. Three times, verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been, you know, he spent a night and a day not in like a yacht or like a cruise, Caribbean cruise. He's probably in a broke down shipwreck thing that just trying, the winds, he's just trying to stay alive and hope that God will blow him to some land. And, you, you know, it, he's probably, it, that, you know, you're shipwrecked. It's crazy. Spent a night and day in the open sea, have been constantly, I've been, verse 26, I have been constantly on the move. Why? Pioneer for God. He's the pioneer. He's bringing the message. He's bringing the word of truth, planting churches, sharing his faith. He says, I'm constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and I've often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. There it is. You're not much worse off when you're out there cold and naked. That means you got nothing. In verse 28, it says, besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern. For all the churches, who is weak, and I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin, and I do not inwardly burn. Now, he says all this stuff happened. He's not bragging. Hey, look at me. I'm tough. He switches it and says, besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of of my concern for all the churches. See, all these things that he's doing is his journey, and he understands it's, it's good pressure because it's godly pressure. So God said go, and all these circumstances happened because he was serving God, evangelizing, making disciples of all nations, and continuing to bring the gospel. He could have just stopped and said, you know what? This journey ain't worth it. I'm just going to build and sit. I'm educated. He's a Pharisee of Pharisees. He could have just stopped and got a well-to-do sustained life and said, I'm just going to live. Yeah. I'm just going to live. I'm done. If someone passes around, I may, you know, amen. I may say that once in a while. I'm done. But no, he realizes this was all for God. And then he realized, spiritually speaking, when you mature spiritually, you start to feel that pressure. You don't just go, it's all much pressure. See, sometimes as Christians in the church, you're like, I feel pressured. 
Well, because you're weak and immature. That's why. Why don't you look at God? You're supposed to grow in this pressure. Not to put you down. We, you know, God doesn't want to give you more than you have. But sometimes when we go, I feel pressure, it's like it's automatically like it's too much. Let me alone. And don't get me wrong. wrong. We, have to, we have to meet everybody they're at. That's it. But you got to ask yourself, are you babying yourself? Oh, it's I feel pressure. Oh, I feel pressure. Well, do you have the pressure for the concern of one another and, 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 and the mission of, 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 of evangelizing the world? See, he goes, I feel this, man, for the churches. It's not like it's taking them out, but it's a good thing. I care. God, I want what you want. I want to be used by you. You're in control, and you've decided to use imperfect people that have faith in the journey, that understand the pressure from you is for me. It's for my own good as I go. Not only am I using you to evangelize, I'm refining you to show you who you are. Point number two. Amen. Your trials don't define you. They refine you. Okay. Trials don't define you. They refine you. How refined are you? You should be able to write down a list of problems like Paul, but different situations if you've been a Christian for any time. Right. We haven't been killed or attacked yet, but that's because we're spared. It can happen. In other parts of the country, people are killed, and in the world, people are killed for their faith. But you're persecuted because Christianity, the way Jesus defines in the Bible, is what we hold to. And people that have a form of Christianity that don't match up with the Bible either will go, thank you for showing me that. I appreciate it. Let me see where i got to change. Or they'll be defensive and go, and they won't want to hear it. That's not our job to do anything but just share but not apologize for living the Bible fully. All of us need grace. No one's perfect, but with you, you have to be willing to go, I'm going to be a Christian the way the Bible says, not a Christian the way society has created it, even if there's a cross in Jesus. i got to look in the Bible, and we got to make sure that we're being disciples the way Jesus says. That takes pressure. That takes deny yourself and go to God. Yeah. To be a disciple of Jesus, you're going to have pressure from your own sinful nature. Yeah. you got to be willing, like Jesus says, deny yourself, carry your cross daily, follow me. Why would I do that? The cross part, what Jesus carried, was a patibulum. And it was, I mean, it was the, it was the beam that went across. They, he carried that. They had the other beam in the ground. And the one that they put across his back and tie it was about 110 pounds, they said, of rough timber. That, you know, and after he was already beaten severely, and he had to carry that until he passed out and couldn't do it anymore. And he didn't just give up. The pressure was so bad, he physically couldn't do it. And they had uh, an onlooker, Simon of Cyrene, come and help him. It wasn't that Jesus goes, I'm done. He gave everything he has as a human being, and he was spent. And he still got up and followed. Amen. Do you have that pressure focus, that the pressure on you to be a disciple the way the Bible defines members in this church? Are you striving to grow or are you striving just to do enough to stay safe? Mm -hmm. You're saved by grace, but that's a wrong attitude. Yeah. God says, I want to use you to build my kingdom. Peter, you on this rock on my church will build my kingdom, and the gates of Haiti will not overcome it. They started it. It's, God hasn't come back, so we need to continue to find out what they do and what we will do. Hold the convictions. Be strong enough to be humble enough and brave enough to not allow yourself to be in deliberate sin. Oh, I said, you know, get convicted. Face the pressure. Burn inwardly at your own sin. And then be open. We don't judge each other, but we need to go, bro, you're a disciple. This has to stop because you continue to be in this. I'm concerned for you. Yeah. And the way of life. You're going to shipwreck your faith. Yeah. 
inwardly burn isn't judgment. It's like, whoa, I want to help him. I see the battle. Your trials don't define you. They refine you. Look in Luke 22, verse 29. I've been so pressured in my life at times where going in the bathroom of a linoleum floor of a rental place, apartment, that had a burn mark from someone who dropped a cigarette in it before, they, before I moved in. They moved before and they didn't change it, but it had a burn mark. And I remember that. And I remember I got to the point where I looked forward to going into that little bathroom and getting on my knees next to the burn mark, next to the toilet, and having prayer time. I felt safe. It di I didn't naturally do that. It drove me to that till I actually, because normally I'd say, I'm going to find a better prayer place. I just went there because it was the only place to do it. And I felt like I just wanted to get on the hard floor. And that now is a memory that was, was frightening and terrifying and dread. But then it, it, as I continued to call out to God, it helped me get through that situation in my life. I didn't plan it, but it drove me. There was nothing. I had, there was nothing. As a disciple, I, I had, you, you will go to God or you will leave. And you will go to God in a way that you may not even understood what it meant to go to God yet. It'll drive you. So when something happens so painful, if you go to your knees and you're crying out more, because now it's not, should I do my quiet time? It's like, I have no choice. It's either go send out or God and cry out and be on the knees and just say, there and go, I know you're there. Help me every day. Now you're getting into it. God's going, whoa. Now you're learning to rely on him. Instead of being despairing death, now you're being learned how to rely on me no matter what. In uh, verse 39, it says, chapter 22 of Luke, verse 39, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not by my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and then, and then he, he sweat. His sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Um, they say this was a rare condition of hematurosis. You get so stressed and pressure that you're crying out. He was sweating. He was so under pressure. The pressure called him to be sweating. Like in your, if you're praying and you haven't worked out and you start praying, you're, you're done with your prayer time and you're sweating. And then it was so powerful that he broke his capillaries, little capillaries. It's a medical term. It's, it's rare, but it happens where the capillaries just in there actually burst and it mixed with sweat. That's the pressure that Jesus felt as a human being to move forward to do God's will extreme under pressure crying to God to go forward and God said this is what you got to do it didn't get better humanistically after you got done praying it got worse but his emotional makeup and faith in the journey he rose and he had strength he goes let's go yeah. Amen. but if you see this and an angel appeared to him so you know God will strengthen and help you even when you feel like you're gonna fall. you may have to fall off the cliff you're hanging help me that might not be the plan you're gonna fall and be injured I don't know, but whatever God allows, you hope that you're gonna, it's going to be giving God glory or he'll do everything short of killing you to get you saved wow. or keep you saved. Yeah. I think God's done that to me. I've told you. I've been in the ministry for 20 years. I never planned the ministry. God called me. I'm not going to say no. I'm grateful to be in the ministry, but I believe God just keeps going, you need this for your own good, not in a mean way. 
this, this, this paralyzation, this challenge that I still have, if I don't keep going to God, I can get negative and I can start to just go, I can't, I can, in my mind, I can't do this. Not because I don't love anybody, I can just start doing it. And then my loving wife is encouraging and then I have to get back with God every day in a quiet time like Afonso did so well in the men's workshop. And all the brothers preached well and I heard the sisters did great too. But I have to go back to God to change my mindset for, as the pioneer each day. Like you've had a wagon train and you're camped out. We're going to break at dawn. You've got to start again. Yeah. What's coming up? Rivers, maybe bandits, maybe a, a fight in the group. So I've got to be willing to do what I can to keep moving forward in God's will. So it's not, it's not wrong, but you got, the key is how do you deal with it? Yeah. Point three is let God show you your true worth. Let God show you your true worth. You know, a diamond is a very good example. Diamond is nothing more than a clump of carbon. Wow. Coal that refused to give in to pressure. That's what it is. Wow. If someone gave you a, someone said, happy birthday, and you opened it up, it was just a lump of coal. <laughs> You don't understand, in that lump of coal is a fortune if, 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 if the pressure could be used to make that diamond. Wow. A lump of coal. So when you come out of the waters of baptism, you're saved by grace, but you're a lump of coal. God loves you. You're a beautiful lump of coal, but we're all like, saved by grace. We're willing. We said we're going to make Jesus Lord. We can learn so much by our lives by studying diamonds. You know, I read this in the history. It said they were discovered in India in the ninth century. And... Diamonds are the hardest known natural stone, the hardest. What makes the diamond so strong it, is what makes it so beautiful. Intense heat and pressure cause carbon to crystallize over the course of the coal. And it was formed deep within the earth's mantle when they found it, and it was in there when they brought it out. So as with diamonds, it is as with you and me. Life can happen suddenly, but, there has, but sometimes with the, with, the, with, the, with the carbon, there's violent pressure to make it change into a diamond, to pressure it out. You guys have all heard this probably, diamonds. You can look it up. But life's sudden upheaval will bring your true worth. Sudden, unexpected problems, pain, physically, mentally, financially, emotionally, that is not to hurt you. That is to really bring up who you are spiritually with God. Who are you really? See, it brings the value and strength to the surface to really go, who are you really? And you've heard this. You are who you are in the middle of a crisis. The toughest time is really will show who are you. Yeah. God uses the intensity of crisis and the force of adversity to rid us of our impurity and sinful nature and character issues that plague us. We don't like it, but it plagues us. It could be the parent that calls you out for not making your bed and just and you don't understand why and he says it's my house and you're going to make the bed and and finally you stop fighting and you make your bed and then you start feeling psychologically better about yourself when you come home and see it's a made bed you may not say that loud as a teenager but there is a subconscious that you are being taught to keep order even though you continue to have the heart of going why it's my room my friends don't have to do it how many right but it, it, there's not a right or wrong. It's not right or wrong. You're not a sinner if you don't make your bed, but it's just like if you do it and look at what can I learn from it, you learn something. Yeah. Same thing with life. I'm sure every one of us have experienced the process of extreme pressure. Yeah. The intensity of crisis and the force of adversity. Now check this out. When you finally emerge from the very darkest crushing 
breaking experience in your life, you emerge the strongest and brightest you've ever been. You, get you come through a painful situation. What does not kill you makes you stronger. That is, we know that. That's a true thing in just life. But, but this is unfortunately where we lose so many pioneers of faith to God. Over the ages, the road is narrow. People will not take the pressure and see it the way God sees it, and, and it's good for you. People quit. People have quit, and that's why Jesus says the road is narrow to eternal life, and the road to, to, the road to destruction and not being right with God. Hell is, is wide in the world. Many are not going to go for it. It's not judgment. It's just truth. We're not judges. We're just speaking the truth. Yeah. And if you look at um, John 6.60, Look at John 6, why do we lose so many? Why do you quit anything? And you know what? It's okay because all of us, if we're honest, we've quit something. Is this my water? Thank you so much. <laughs> why do we quit? Why have I quit? Well, when I quit something, I didn't feel good about it. I've done it, and, and I don't feel good about it. And no one said I could. It's just you made a decision. It's done. But you just know you don't feel good in yourself if you know, if you don't, why'd you quit? Yeah. Nah, I don't like it. Or it was hard, or you feel like you didn't get picked, or the person didn't put you in the right position on a team. So, it's, so you're going to blame. You're going to say, it's racist. The coach doesn't like me. The coach's son was there. That might all be true. That's what you're not looking at. You're not supposed to look at that. You're supposed to look at what God's teaching you for the unjust pressure. And don't quit because something's wrong. You'll become stronger if you finish. And then... If you don't want to do it again, that's fine. But finish. Don't just go, I quit. It doesn't build you psychologically. Yeah. And it says here, Jesus is talking to them in verse 60, and he just preaches a strong message that you got to be all or nothing with me. It's all me or it's nothing. And, and you need grace because no one can be perfect. But he's saying you got to be willing to give it everything. Amen. Just like if you're on a team, the coach is going to go, I need you all in. Yeah. No one thinks that's weird. Going to war, the military, you need to be all in. We need to have, we need to, we need to have our brothers back. Yeah. That's not weird. But when we're in church, brothers and sisters, we need to be all in. And it says when they hear this, they were walking with Jesus, they go on hearing it. Many of the disciples said, this is hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said, I'm sorry, it's probably too much pressure. <laughs> hey, Peter, can you run down to the dime store and get some of those donuts on sale? Let's have some donuts. Let's have a little, let's have a little D group. We'll talk. Get some comfort food. Let's see. You know, here we come with Get him carrots. He's a little overweight. So bring him on. We all feel that way. If you decide always it's too hard for you and don't let the outside circumstance with God dictate it, then you're always going to think it's too hard. Yeah. See, that's the problem. If you allow yourself, you have freedom in any situation. A lot of times I went through things I didn't like, and I learned so much by sticking it out. I may not continue later, but I did it with poise and righteousness and integrity. I didn't just walk out of a job and go, I'm done. Where'd he go? I just done. No, I give my notice even though I don't like it. And respectful, so I go to the next guy. I gave respect. But see, Jesus says here, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? That's a reminder. Wow. The spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. These words I spoke to you, they are full of the spirit and life, yet some of you here don't believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say this, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. 
So the Father enables you, and he also allows pressure and situations, all circumstances. The Bible says, whatever happens, conduct yourself worthy in a manner of Christ. Whatever happens. Wow, that just covers it. That's not fair. Whatever happens, be righteous. You can still speak up for yourself, but don't lose it. In verse 66, it says, from, that time, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Peter asked the 12. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know you're the Holy One of God. See, that's powerful. God isn't going to force you to do anything, just like a coach. He's going to call you, and if you don't, you're just going to you know, sit on the sidelines. You're out. You don't want to do it. God wants you to do it. Coach can say, I believe in you. If you just listen to me and not be so attitudinal and make it to practice early and get ready like the other guys, not be whining like you should be starting when you're not working at it. But then the guy goes, eh, I'm out of here. See, that's emotional immaturity. We all have it. You got to grow emotionally, faithfully with mature. When you when you act out and have little feelings and fits and don't tell someone and have attitudes and then don't resolve, that's emotional, spiritual immaturity. You need to be a peacemaker and go, let's talk. I know I offended you. Instead of saying, I'm done, I'm out. That's not in the church. That's not allowed to be staying. You can get an attitude, but you are not allowed to keep a bad attitude if you call yourself a disciple. That causes division. So the word diamond comes from a Greek word, adamus, which translated means unconquerable, unalterable, unbreakable, untamable. Adam was the name given to the first created human. Like a diamond, he was in fashion pulled from the earth, from dust. We're made from that. We're made from dust, not coal, but dirt, dust. And when we say an individual is adamant about something, I'm adamant. What's that mean? I'm do, I'm, nothing's stopping me. You're convicted by that, right? You're watching someone, even if you're not doing what they're doing, you're like, this person is just fired up and refuses to give in. It's inspiring. And when they say that, we say, we're saying they're tough, resolute, determined, firm, steadfast. We, go, well, that's, we admire that courage. How adamant are you about becoming more Christ-like and steadfast with a will to do, to grow and conform and rise up and go, whatever you need, bro. Melvin Williams, that's his saying when I ask him to help me with something in the church. Whatever you need, bro. It's not even like, is it comfortable? You want me to go to another Bible? I don't know these people. I don't know this older guy, Earl, who's leading a Bible talk. But whatever you need, dude. Thank you. Not for me. He's not doing it for me. He's doing it for God. Just whatever you need, I'll raise up. Not just be a sit piece. And you're not just here for us to preach and amuse you as members. You're supposed to raise up and take my job. Rise up. Men, not in a bad way, but I want you to become better. Take over. Let's grow. You look at everybody that way and you're going to grow. God will always have a place for you because there's no envy or fear or in- insecurity. When life cuts you the deepest and problems strike you the hardest... That's precisely when our God and Almighty Father, Jeweler, is cutting and chiseling on you. 
He's cutting away the superficialness, the fakeness. He's calling you to see how dishonest you still are in your thoughts and heart and maybe fear from people-pleasing. He's bringing that out. He's patient. He's forcing it out. You need to be so transparent like you're the most expensive diamond on the display of Macy's counter. Whatever pressure you're experiencing in your life will bring out the best in you if you focus on God and the journey and being faithful and learning from what you're suffering and continuing to go, God's will is more important than my will. Transformation, I just want to tell you, it's not for the easy. It's not easy. To be a Christian, you don't earn it. You're saved by grace. It's not easy. You got to be willing and obedient. You got to be willing to get your heart there. Be willing to give your heart. It's rewarding as all get out. I say being a Christian, being a disciple is not is not comfortable always, but it's awesome because yeah. it forces you to see life and be something that I don't think you would get to without God, even as a human being. Transformation is not easy. No matter what the furnace or the trial is in your life. God will cause you to prevail and you will grow. Your trials will define you. They, 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 they do not define you. They refine you. Right. We were designed and destined to be what? Overcomers. We shall overcome. Amen. Use every circumstance in your life, the negative, the painful, the wrongdoing towards you, to go, what am I learning? And what does not kill me will make me stronger. Problems are not signs. They're guideposts along your journey. And you need to get some problems. You young disciples, guess what? It's coming, and I don't mean to threaten you. God's going to let it come to see how you react. Your worth is far above diamonds and gold. God says our worth is greater than gold, the most pure commodity. Do you want to prevail? Are you truly an overcomer in life? If you made your decision to make Jesus Lord and your disciple, you are. Even when you doubt and fear, even when you're on the ground, if you're willing and have, and then we need to do our part, encourage each other. It's not competitive. It's going no matter what. If you made the decision to trust God, if you'll just continue to be willing, you'll get through the hardest times. You'll see God put the right people in your life, and you'll look back and go, how did I get out of that? And you go, thank you. It's not easy to be in the pain, but it's rewarding. you got to think that way. Will you turn back and forget your dream, or will you press forward on the goal of a high calling in God, which means this year we're participating with the movement of God. As Orlando, we're going to plant 17 churches around the world. <laughs> Orlando's been asked to raise a missions contribution, and every year since I've been here, we do it. Yeah. I don't know how. I know how. It's God. But the willingness needs to be there, 75,000. You go, oh, one person would be destroyed. But if everybody goes, I'm going to do my best to contribute because I believe what we're doing. The media team, Diego leading it, is going to make a new banner. and We're going to have all the new churches, and you'll see that. Go visit them when they get there. You can go visit the 12 we visited last time. It's amazing to see souls. So that's what you do. And I have to go to this last scripture to give you where you might be, like this may be, you've got to realize no matter what, this is what you need. Judges 6.14, you guys with me? It's 458. I said I'm not going past five, right? You guys all right? Judges 6, 14. Judges means leaders, not judges, not judging. It means leaders. 614. This is when break this give me past. Before this happens, uh, Israel is totally in its worst position of sin. They've all dissipated. They've lost their faith. They've been overcome. Life has impoverished them. They can't make a living. They're starving. They're in so sin, and they're struggling. And then an angel appears to this guy, Gideon, 
he's hiding and he's threshing wine in a wheat press in his closet, which means I think he's trying to, doesn't want anybody, he's so fearful that he's hiding the wheat in the wine press when no one thinks there. He just doesn't trust God anymore. Yeah. And God says, guess what? You're the one mighty warrior. I'm taking you. Yeah. And he goes, I can't do it. What are you talking about? You nuts. And that's how we can feel, right? Yeah. I can't even barely move forward. That's fine. The Lord turned to him and said in verse 14, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? So when you're weak, it's okay. You're not comparing. Are you still willing to go, God, I know you're there, and give God the strength you have in the moment. That's not quitting. That's growing. Come on. Go in the strength you have. Closing out, 1 Peter 1.15. Awesome. Guys, I've had to go in the strength I have, and I've had people teach me that when I felt so worthless. As a Christian, I'm a drug addict and an alcoholic in my past sense. That was one of my greatest sins. I don't drink anymore. I still fought and had some really hard times as a Christian believing I could drink again. I've shared this. I've had times I've put myself in challenges. I've had times I've fallen. I've had times that sadness has come over me for others I love. I've had times where I just go, I don't think I can handle this. It might be something about someone you're really close to or love. It's hurts. It's feeling emotional. You just, right? Can you feel that? You've been there. That's what you got to realize. It's God, I still know your work and I'm going to give you, and I know you're not expecting me to jump up and run right now, but I still know you're here. I'm going to go with the strength I have because that's what God says. And you're going to get through it and you're going to get stronger. Yes. And in verse, chapter Peter, first Peter 1 15, it says, just as you were called, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I'm holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from this empty way of life handed down to you by your ancestors. See, until you become a disciple, your families, everybody does their best, but until they find out the true journey with God as disciples to love deeply and learn to love and reach out and become the closest you can get to heaven as a group of people, all nations, you've missed it. The empty way of life is work hard, get a living, save money in the bank, and retire. That's not unwise, but that, if that's end all to end all, it's an empty way of life. You're a foreigner here, which means you're a pioneer. You're continuing to be going where God wants by faith. So I will not quit, and there's times I needed people to go, don't quit. This injury... I was paralyzed. I didn't know I was going to leave the bed. I told Sonia, I go, I don't even, I'm looking back and I'm having these feelings really strong that I don't think I knew in the moment, but I'm in the hospital and I'm sitting like this and I remember, and I'm just going to be straight up here. I got, uh, I couldn't move anything. That means I had to be changed. And two nurses came in and I couldn't believe that it happened. And I remember putting my hand over my face in shame and saying sorry as they were moving me and changing me, changing the man diaper. I felt, kill me. I get me killed. Get me out. I felt so ashamed and humiliated. And when I still feel that, I feel that. And I remember they had to move me over. And, and I just had, I just covered my eyes. I couldn't look for a long time. For like, like every time I just go like this. And they, they'd say, it's, it's normal. Don't worry. It's, they'd say, you can't help it. But I'd just go like this. Because I just did, I couldn't look at life. I felt so humiliated. And I didn't focus on God the right way. And realize I wasn't doing it on purpose. But it was so humiliating that I don't know how I made it out. But I do know now. Because I stayed faithful and I went with the strength I have. And I knew you guys were praying with me. 
So I'm not saying this to go, poor me. I'm saying whatever you go through, you haven't hit bottom. And if we sing the song, kill us, we win for sure. That's even amazing. If you're doing everything you can and you die, God says it's time, you're going to heaven. I went in and saw Aunt Mary in the bed when she died. I got there and she was lying in the bed and I told Kenji, you know, I gave Kenji a hug and I got there and I went in and I just stood by her in the room while she was laying there and she was gone. I don't know. I just, I liked, I've done that before with one other person. I was able to be there and they died. I know she was gone. It was just her body and she was just, it was so life, just so calm. But I just went, she's in heaven. I, she's where I'm trying to go. I'm a pioneer. Praise God. The journey is your life and God be the glory. Amen. Amen.